You're listening to Leadership in Crisis. Why is employees happiness important to us? People used to believe that you did not have to be happy at work to succeed, but this does not hold good anymore. Let's consider a few statistics to understand why. Happy employees stay in their job four times longer than unhappy employees. Happy employees are 12% more productive. Happy employees commit twice as much time to their tasks. Happy employees have 65% or more energy than unhappy employees. Even, you know, the entire company vibrant is very good with positive vibes. Clearly, having happy employees isn't a bonus. It's a necessity for every successful workplace. Productivity, motivation, dedication, and retention all depend on it. I know many people may be immersed thinking about their own organization and asking a question to themselves. If they are happy at work, hmm, hold your thoughts and listen to this podcast, which talks all about how to be happy at work and why is happiness important to you and your employer. This is your host, Swami Sri Padmadur, and you're listening to Leadership in Crisis. And we have invited a special and a happy guest. Yes, you heard it right. I said happy guest. You know why? Later in this podcast, Dr. Tracy Brower, an award-winning speaker and a great author, to talk about her latest book, The Secret to Happiness at Work. Dr. Brower is a PhD sociologist studying work-life fulfillment and happiness. She is the author of The Secrets to Happiness at Work, and bring work to life. She is a principal with Steelcase Applied Research Plus Consulting Group and a contributor to Forbes.com, Fast Company. Tracy is an award-winning speaker and has over 24 years of experience working with global clients to achieve business results. Tracy is an executive advisor to like-minded Coda Societies and to the MSU Master Industrial Mathematics Program. Tracy's work has been featured in many places like TEDx, Wall Street Journal, Work-Life Balance, Globe and Mail, Inside HR in Australia, HR Director, many more, including Fortune.com. Tracy holds a PhD in Sociology, a Master of Management in Organizational Culture, and a Master of Corporate Real Estate with a Workplace Specialization. I stress it workplace because everybody's looking forward to see how the workplace is going to be in this COVID era. So Dr. Brewer, welcome to a Leadership in Crisis. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. You're right, I am happy. I'm a glass half full kind of person. So <laughs> conversation. Thank you. No, I think, you know, your face itself is so pleasant and uh, the contributions you are doing is also pleasant. And you are also not saying yourself is happy, but you are spreading that contagious happiness to everybody, which is so good. We all need it right now, right? I, I actually had a journalist ask me recently, is this really the right time for a conversation about happiness? We've been through really hard times. And it's true, and we need to validate that and kind of take a deep breath and 
we can find opportunities for happiness and thriving even when we go through hard times and sometimes especially when we go through hard times so looking forward to our conversation absolutely could not agree you know more than you know what you said it is really needed happiness because it instills the confidence and then you need to go through these difficult times and you need to come out winning because you cannot just to surrender to the problems you need to take over the problems into your hands so thank you so my first question is i mean the book uh, the secret to happiness at work the title itself is so good what really motivated you to write this book yeah such a great question you know i was hearing so much about unhappy at work and i think we have this myth that work is drudgery and work is hard and work is negative and if we can just get through our work then we can get on to the rest of our lives and in reality work is part of a full life and in reality work is a place where we can express our talents and make contributions and those are really good things so i wanted to write the book so that we could start to think about and dispel some of those myths about work as negative and to really empower people i think another myth of happiness is that you have to have just the right conditions or that happiness needs to be presented to you and and when the silver platter arrives and you pull off the silver lid all will be well and in reality we can create the conditions for happiness we are empowered to do that um and so i feel like when we can kind of um give people some new ideas and when we can give them some of that new motivation toward creating happiness it's going to be good for all of us Yeah, I know I think uh, as you know in general people always say oh it's, gosh it is friday now i have a weekend oh it's already monday now i have to go back to work i mean that is uh, so negative i mean we all need to be happy to go and uh, to work because we are producing something better to change the world where we live in so that's why i was thinking you know what motivated to you to write this this is really nice but uh, you know i was going through the book and uh, i want to ask you a couple of questions how to choose and create a purpose and fulfillment in your work because that is only will be motivating if you have a purpose yeah absolutely you and i are so aligned on this when we've chatted in the past purpose is so critical for all of us and purpose ends up being really important for companies it's one of the things that distinguishes successful companies from those who are less successful but it's also fundamental to our humanity we need to feel a sense of purpose in fact uh there's a great book that looks deeply at maslow and maslow's hierarchy and one of the points that it makes is that we all have an instinct to matter isn't that lovely we all have an instinct to matter wow. This is really about three things. Purpose is about feeling like there's a bigger picture, number 1. Feeling number 2, like we can contribute to it in a unique way. And number 3, purpose needs to be about other people. Purpose needs to be about a community and about connection. So, you know, I'll sign up to be a good corporate citizen and help the company grow at 15% a year on an annualized basis. I'll I'll sign up as a good corporate citizen. But what really gets me out of bed in the morning is thinking about how my work contributes to a customer, to a person, to a community. Um and and those are really important ways that we think about purpose. And so part of the conditions for happiness is to remind ourselves how we matter, to remind ourselves of how we contribute. 
And we don't always have to be changing the world, right? Like sometimes purpose can feel like a really big, highly pressurized word, you know? Like if I'm not solving peace, you know, what am I doing here? Um, and I think it has to do with just doing the thing that you do well that makes a contribution. I think I'm glad you mentioned that way because every person says, hey, I'm not a saint. Why should I really worry about the purpose? I'm just a college, you know, graduate. I'm just coming out of the college or maybe I'm a retiring or I'm a middle-aged. I have my own problems to think about it. So if everybody said, you know, sometimes you know, purpose is a pressurized word. Oh, I'm really looking at this big and you nicely put it where in this way. So I think, um, but coming back to this, how do I define the purpose and how do I align the purpose with the organization where we work? Because sometimes organization may have a different mission and vision statements, or they portray something different, but my job may be different. So how do I really find this balance and how do I find the purpose? Yeah, I think those are really important questions. I feel like there's a big deal in terms of line of sight. And I almost think of it like a logic train, you know, like um, like I was working with a company and they had a lot of people working on a line, making parts and manufacturing. And, um, you know, one of the one of the gentlemen I talked to in particular was making a thing. He was making a widget, but it was meaningful to him because the thing that he was making went into a mechanism which went into a gear which went into a hospital bed which was a crank that allowed you to um, turn and move the bed so the patient didn't get bed sores and were likely to go home right and more likely to heal more effectively that to me is that line of sight or like I was chatting with a um, with a woman who worked for a company and they made hardware like doorknobs and you know like hooks where you hang your coat and and she was saying gosh you know what's my what's my alignment to a bigger purpose and really we have fundamental needs for aesthetics for beauty for function around us for less friction around us and so you know uh, a doorknob that perfectly fits the interior or the hook that's in just the right place to help me have an easy morning when i'm hanging up my coat those things matter to the human condition so i feel like even if we're doing small things we can think about how they connect so thinking about what our organizations do and whom they serve and how we connect to that. Maybe I process payments at a university. Well, those are a big deal, right? Because that allows um, students to learn. It allows students to advance. It allows students to be enriched in what they know about and what they're curious about. And so there's that really important connection that we can all make. Oh my gosh, you just expand three different unique examples and everywhere we found the purpose, uh, uh, it's amazing. I think, um, so we have to learn to look at not transactional thing, but beyond the, uh, the fulfillment of what you are doing and who is your end customer or a consumer, how it is impacting their lives. Uh, you beautifully painted. And uh, just want to share one of the stories. Um, in this COVID times, we are a technology company and we are helping all the people to get their jobs. So a couple of people came back and said, oh, it is very tough time. How do we work? It's okay, one day I can sleep that day. The product is not going to be ready by tomorrow. So I was telling, think about it. A lot of the people have lost the jobs. 
not only and some of them are sole bread winners even if you can move the needle at a faster rate to make sure in stop making the entire transaction of 10 days of recruitment if you can make it as a one day or eight days whatever you can reduce you are basically getting the bread in front of them sooner than later you are really helping lives think about it not as a fulfillment of a job but fulfillment of a person's whole family how you are supporting he may be a person who is paying the college tuition fee for his daughter or a son so think about it then that changed the whole purpose and then suddenly now they are giving me more than what they have already anticipated the delivery dates the product is really taking care even though it is ai all technology but the human the purpose all is important so that uh, leaves uh, another question too everywhere is all about the technology people are saying hey you know my jobs are going and these things are there in that high pressure do you think people are still can get the purpose or will this purpose full mindset will help them to retain their jobs or grow in the organization what, what is your take on people with the purpose versus the technology taking this uh, repeated jobs yeah it's you know it's really interesting when we look at people being afraid of technology taking over their jobs this is not new if you look at the history of work and the history of sociology of work people have been worried about this since the industrial revolution so i think that helps it puts it in perspective um i definitely think that we're seeing in the research that you know our jobs may shift and so there's probably really good reason for us to be adaptable to always be learning new things to seek to be resilient all of those things make sense and i think we can reassure ourselves that there are some really special things that human beings do in terms of our ability to empathize our ability to think about multiple perspectives our ability to think about lots of extenuating circumstances um our ability to connect with each other our ability to express human judgment and um caring for others and nurturance we can program a lot of that into ai and smart programmers will start to program toward those kinds of human um gifts and there will always be things that humans will need to be doing so it may be about adjusting ourselves it may be about adapting it may be about learning and contributing in new and expanded ways and it may make it easier for us right like if i don't have to work so hard on my expense reports cuz more of that is being done automatically for me i can spend more time doing the stuff i love to do uh so i think we can all probably think of examples where technology is maybe not instead of the work that we do it's not artificial intelligence necessarily but augmented intelligence how can tech um help us to accomplish our purposes more effectively rather than replacing or putting in threat our ability to meet our purpose Yeah, you touched on very a couple of important points. Is don't look at things momentarily. Look at the historic data, because the history talks all about that industry revolution. Otherwise, we would not have been flying, or you know, will not have the trains. If you look, look at the history, you know, everything was in horses, and we were all traveling. Otherwise, it would have been a difficult. So, and also you mentioned about the augmented intelligence, because I, in my case, what I feel is. every person should have uh, if i'm swami i should have a swami plus digital swami because whatever i am doing all the repeated tasks which i really have to do because it is part of my job or part of my life 
if i can hand over that to the repetitive tasks to the digital swami that will be taken care everything can be automated everything can be done all the scheduling but i want to use my intellectual brain to create a purpose what i am working on and how i can focus on so uh so the question back to you is in this things how a person can really identify the purpose how do a person has to cultivate that mindset what would be the mindset because everybody may not have that wide okay i'm working for this company okay now i really understand their mission vision okay what is my purpose from the day one people may not agree and depending upon uh, the age of the person uh, how experienced they are their things going on in the family there are many other parameters are there so uh, what is your advice how one should cultivate this kind of a mindset Yeah, you know, I think you're really pointing to a growth mindset. Um a growth mindset is the idea and and kind of the overall perspective that you can always learn more, you can always improve. A fixed mindset says I'm either smart or not smart. I'm either resilient or not resilient, right? That's a fixed mindset. A growth mindset says that intelligence is a factor which can grow over time and I'm going to learn more and expose myself to more or resilience is a factor that can be enhanced and I can learn to be more resilient and I can stretch and I can grow and be more adaptable over time so I think first of all we want to think in that growth mindset and know that we want to stay open all the time to new things I think the other thing is we think about our purpose no matter where we are in our life stage is to think about what we like to do you know like like i am absolutely a true believer that all work has dignity all work has dignity and we can't make judgment calls about this work is better than that work right the thing that i like to do the thing that contributes to my community is the reason that i should get out of bed in the morning there's a beautiful concept called ikigai a japanese term which means your reason to wake up in the morning you wake up in the morning maybe that you're a grandmother with you know generations living with you and you're going to make soup for your family that day your reason to wake up in the morning maybe that you're you know running a lawn care business your reason to wake up in the morning maybe that you're researching the next cure for cancer all of those things have dignity and we can't make judgment calls about the kind of work so i think again it's sometimes it's about taking the pressure off we have a daughter who graduated from college in 2020 and our son graduated from high school in 2020 and we've gone on so many college visits and one of the things that happens at every college visit is they say we're going to create learning opportunities so you can reach your purpose you all want to change the world and we're going to help you do that and that's great i we all want that for our children right but i also think sometimes you don't have to worry about changing the world that's <laughs> thing that you're good at the next thing that lights you up the next thing that makes sense in terms of your current talents and in your growth mindset the next talent that you want to stretch toward <laughs> it's so interesting and so many different topics you touched on so one of the thing uh, just want to share is i was talking to one of the stanford professor and uh, we were all chatting and it was the same thing you know everybody instills at least uh, the ang mindset go change the world and they will say well, 
I'm a single person. I just uh, did a college. How how do I go and change the world? So what it means, he was explaining the Stanford professor was, once you do impact uh, at least two or three people around you with your positive vibe and and resonate the purpose with them, then they will go and in you know inspire other two or three people. So it is a chain reaction. When someone says you know go and change the world, doesn't mean you go up top of the hill and tell everybody hey change the world but you do with your actions and create that atmosphere within the place where you are so that it resonates and it also is visible to all the people they get inspired and that they change the purpose uh, yes i love that <laughs> yeah like one of the things that makes me think of is sociologically speaking one of the most primary ways that we learn about who we are and who our community is is by watching other people, experiencing other people, seeing and hearing what other people are doing. The reason that's important is that we each have more influence than we even know. You know, it's kind of like there's that old movie called The Accidental Tourist. Oh. <laughs> the movie has anything to do with our conversation, but I love the title, right? Like we're all sort of accidental tourists. We are we go about our lives and we probably don't realize how much we're influencing other people. So we all have this influence. We all have this opportunity to change the world in small ways, kind of one action or choice at a time. And I think the other thing to be aware of is this um, is this data about spillover. Like when we are happier at work, that tends to spill over into the rest of our lives as well. And when we're happier in the rest of our lives, we tend to perceive that we're happier at work. Um, and so it's this wonderful spillover effect, which means that when we make even small choices, when we make small actions, which may seem inconsequential, they actually have more consequence than we might realize. I know, I think sometimes we think uh, it is only a small thing, you know, like gratitude, saying some, some type of a simple thank you, but that has a lot of powerful meaning depending upon who you are saying and what construct you are saying and how you are saying. That is really important. And if you are a spiritual person, you know, whatever you do, is, there is a reason you may not understand, but you will, um, you know, realize, you know, whenever I hear uh, uh, our good old uh, mentor, uh, Steve Jobs, you know, he always talks about you cannot see how you see the connecting the dots forward, but you can always see connecting the dots backward. When you are here, when you look at it, oh, that's why that thing has happened. Okay, whatever I've done, the small gesture, that is why that person has recommended me to here and that these things happen, the chain reaction. But at to, uh, to back to your point, whenever you said, you know, that instant of time, that instant gratification, maybe things very superficial, very fluffy, but that moment, but if you look at it the historic way and look back connecting the dots, it's always good. So thanks for sharing those wonderful things. And coming, uh, you know, again, how is this growth mindset is not only creating a purpose, but also fulfilling the happiness? Yeah, I think that um, it's really about kind of 
empowering ourselves. So a growth mindset reminds us that we can create our own conditions for happiness and we can reflect and understand about ourselves what makes us more or less happy. And then we can seek to improve or make different choices. I think that's one of the other myths of happiness sometimes that if we make the right choice, we shall be happy right? Like if I choose the right job, if I choose the right partner, if I choose to live in the right place. And in reality, all choices are sets of conditions. There'll be things about my job I love and things about my job not so much. Or if I'm honest, things about my partner I adore and maybe a couple things that annoy me just a little bit, right? And I think that our best happiness is when we think about a choice and aligning as much as possible the things that we have to do and the things that we love to do or aligning as much as possible the things that are most important to us with the best of that choice and reminding ourselves we can always make other choices. Um, Viktor Frankl wrote Man's Search for Meaning. Lots of us have read that short little book with incredible amounts of wisdom in it and it reminds us um, Viktor Frankl survived uh, um, Nazi concentration camp and Victor Dr. Frankel reminds us in that book that there are always choices about how we can, if we can't opt out, um, if we can't change the circumstances, there are always ways that we can even think about things differently, reframe. And so for me, that growth mindset is related to happiness in that we can make choices that are as good as possible. We can reflect on our own uh, satisfaction and fulfillment with those we can feel empowered to make other choices or feel empowered to really think about our perspectives. There's that wonderful mantra, change your thinking, change your life. So it's not all about Pollyanna. It's not all about butterflies and lollipops. It is really powerful for us to validate feelings and understand that there will be ups and there will be downs. And happiness can be an overall experience of joy and contentment and fulfillment, even when we have down days, even when we have up days, even when we have crash days. Um, all of those things are part of the human condition. Uh, that's awesome. The detail, the information, what you have given and how this purpose and also giving the growth mindset and all leads to happiness because at the end of the day, the happiness is what it matters because I still remember while I was growing, my dad always used to say, do only one thing. The testimony of whether you are doing a good thing or not is if you can sleep peacefully, happily in the night, that means you are doing a good thing because if you have a something not doing the righteous thing, then you will not be able to consciously will not be agreeing yourself. That means you always have something bother. It will show expression on your face and body. You will not have a sleep. If you do something good and if you do something better for others, then you will sleep more, you know, loudly with Ella. <laughs> Uh, long sleep. So he, he was saying in a very simplistic way, but you know, when we recollect all those things after reading all these books, you know, they were all saying in a very, the pulse of wisdom in a very simple sentences, you know, they always used to say simple living, high thinking. Nice. I love that. That's good. That's really good. Excellent. So thank you. So as a closing note, um, uh, uh, anything you want to tell uh, any one or two strategies to define the purpose for our audience here? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think one other thing we haven't talked about that we should just mention is that if you pursue happiness for its own sake, you're actually less likely to accomplish it. It's like sand through your fingers, you know, on the beach. Um, actually, it's better to pursue the conditions for happiness and that will more likely help you reach happiness. And you do that by aligning as much as possible with your purpose. You do that by staying connected and making contributions to other people and feeling that sense of community and connection. You do that through generosity. Um, because you're focusing on others. You do that through gratitude. You mentioned um, gratitude is significantly correlated with greater happiness because it tends to focus us on the present and focus us on all that we have. The other thing that we can do to create the conditions for happiness is stretch, learn, sweat. You know, it's really important to rejuvenate. It's really important to relax and, you know, eat bonbons or read a book or sit on the beach. We all need that. And it is a beautiful thing to work hard at something, to stretch for something new, to learn something new, to engage deeply on something that we haven't already figured out. So those are just a few things that we can do to create the conditions for happiness. Well, that's, that's awesome. I just want to share, uh, I had an opportunity to meet with our ex-president of India, Dr. Abdul Kalam. He's a great uh, scientist and he also became a president of India. And when I got a chance to meet him, he was talking about it, you know, work hard. Only you will feel you are working hard if you don't have a passion. If you are working on something, you have a passion, you really don't feel you are working hard <laughs> because you are always working. You never knew whether it is a one hour or 10 hours, time just flies by because you are having a, a passion. And when you have a passion to do something which will lead to a purpose, and then you are seeing the end result, which is helping others, maybe a one person, two people, whatever, maybe the community, you don't need to go and change the world, but at least start where you are. And that will give you the happiness and that makes everybody in the world wherever we are living in happiness. So thank you so much, Dr. Brower, for giving the pulse of wisdom of happiness. And especially in this pandemic time, everybody has to be safe and uh, you know healthy. And they all need to have a purpose. And uh, there are many of those healthcare professionals who are putting their lives on the you know crossroads and helping everybody to see how they can help in spite of giving their time and energy and all the consciousness in making other people live happily and come out of this pandemic. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.